Hi guys, it's Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode. We have quite a few. We have ones for mouth sounds, euthanasia, violence against women, ableism and disability, death of a dog, lynching, and mental health. So please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. I'm gonna take my pup, said Lenny. I bet by Christ he likes it there by Jesus. Hey look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Um, okay, so I've had a lot of dreams lately that are scary, and I have not had. Di- oh, this, mm. is, this is a humble brag, but I don't have nightmares. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and, like so woohoo! I just like woke up and I was shocked that I had like a scary dream. And the dream was that um, I was thinking a lot about the Walking Dead video game. I guess um, the dream was that okay. there were zombies, and but we don't have cars, so but like wow. everything's still running, so. Whenever we need to go to, like, the grocery store, you just have to sprint. Mm-hmm. So I, the dream was that it was, like, midday, and I got outside, and I was like, I gotta go get some, like, milk or something, but there's zombies everywhere, so I was just running <laughs> to go get some milk. Honestly, that's very on brand, I yeah. feel like, for you. For me? Yeah, because it was, you're really? like, I'm hungry, we have to go get food! <laughs> but I have to run! <laughs> But that's the news that I had to share with you today. <laughs> yeah, well, like, as an adult, I'm like, <clears throat> and I, like, I'm an adult, I live alone, come at me, come steal my stuff. But, like, <laughs> I also haven't had a nightmare in a really long time. Yeah. And I don't know how I would recover if, because I've had, yeah. the times I have had nightmares, I'm like, it's probably been, I'm, okay, well, this is the first time I've ever really, like, lived alone. Mm-hmm. So, huh, talking about dreams making me sleepy. Um, <laughs> But um, I've, like, been at my house, so I'll go downstairs and talk to my mom about it, or I'll talk to my roommate, or blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Like, here, I don't talk to anyone unless yeah. I go to class, and I don't know if I'm ready. Well, I would definitely tell my class if I had a nightmare. But sure. still, it would just be like, I'd wake up and be alone, and I'd only have my cat, and I don't know how I would process that. Your cat would be peeing actively in front of you? <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> on my face. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, but, like, I don't have nightmares, but I do have unpleasant dreams. Where, again, sure. like, kind of like what you said, where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not scared or anything, but I'm like, well, I didn't enjoy that dream, and now I'm kind of unhappy. Sure. So I oh, have I have stress dreams, dreams a lot. I mean, really, when I'm very stressed. But, yeah, I have stress dreams. Yeah. And welcome to the podcast. Where we talk about our dreams only. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that's the other Isn't that your dream, that to start. have a dream podcast? Yeah, it's called Dream Team. I just need to, you know, one day bring it to fruition. Hey, this like, is your first sound. This is it. This is it. Oh my gosh, you're right. This is what I use for the... This is the concept. Yeah, this is the episode. trailer. Um, I, only, I only make your dreams come true. Only the good ones, though. Not the unpleasant ones. Oh my gosh, that'll be the that'll be the slogan. It'll be Dream Team. We make your dreams come true. Except for we straight up don't, so never Except- mind. That doesn't really work, but still. <laughs> False advertising. We actually do the exact opposite. We yeah. bring your li- nightmares to life. <laughs> yep. Hell yeah. Um, wow, it's been we've been recording for like minutes and we don't. I think it's all good content. It's all good. Um, we have okay. places to be. Yes. So Welcome to Reading Rainbow, the podcast where not only do we talk about our dreams and make our own dreams come true, but we talk about books that you're supposed to read in middle school or high school or whatever school you went to and talk about what we think of them and whether it's worth it and anything else we want to say on our podcast because we make the rules and not Boom. you. Anyway, Boom, how's it going, Ellie? It's going good. Uh, I just finished eating a pancake I got from the Village Inn like three days Ooh. ago. I'm having coffee and then days I'm old. cheese and granola. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm kind of just yes. Hey, I'm not it... no judgment. I wasn't trying to judge. I was just celebrating how much juice you're getting how out of this old pancake. It was. Yeah. I know. How really uh, frugal, dedicated you are to not to you know <laughs> reducing food waste. Um, oh yeah, no, I'll eat. Unless it actively has mold on it that I can see, you know, because I'll eat something mm. that does have mold on it that I can't see because it doesn't know. Because you, you never know. know. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know. Yeah. But 
Exactly. Yeah, there's my, yeah. I always tell people, like, whenever I meet people at work or anyone on the street, random strangers, I always anybody, tell them. Anybody, anybody. <laughs> literally anyone. I say, listen, I am a step, a step above the garbage. So if you're about to throw something away. Yeah. Give it to me. But if you still want it and you're like, this was nowhere near the garbage and you want that. Then keep it for yourself. Yeah. Then you I'll know? be like, get away from me, you gremlin. <laughs> yeah. Then it'll be like, stay away. Shoo, shoo, fly. Do not bother me. Yeah. You know? I feel like, yeah, we have never interacted really on that plane because if there's food, I do want it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, no, um, but I think we've do- we've interacted because we'll give things away to each other where we're like, I'm getting rid of this and this and this and this. Do you want it? And then we're like, we're yes, like, no, no, yep. yes, no. Exactly. Um, yeah, we just... Selectively. I know. Um, yeah. Sorry for anybody who... <laughs> Didn't like that. <laughs> Didn't like it. What book are we reading this time around? Um, we are reading "Of Mice and Men" by John Steinbeck. Yeah, is that right? It is. I'm glad you remember. Goodness. Yeah. Can you imagine if I read the wrong book? Oh my god. <laughs> that would be a real spicy podcast. Um, yeah, that would also mean that we had like not discussed it at all. Yeah. For the entire month, we were just like, no, reading this. This is kind of a tip. Reading this is like reading another dialect because there's all these like apostrophes and shortened words and everything. And I'm like, what'd they say? Not for me. They read it aloud to me. I didn't have to look at any of those commas for them. I mean, it was just like, I mean, they did, they do be thrown around the N word. And like, that's one thing. Okay. Sadly. We're just going to go straight into the book fact. Yeah. So the, um, this is number 28 on the top 100 band slash challenge books from 2010 to 2019. Um, And it has been listed, it promotes euthanasia, condoning racial slurs, anti-business, so we got some economic, political, socioeconomic things in here, Mm -hmm. vulgar slash offensive language, and then racial stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Um, I can speak to some of those. Yeah. I don't know if it promotes euthanasia. Like... I do understand that there's a part where they kill a dog because it's so old that one of the mm-hmm. people makes an argument of, like, this is why we should kill him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. find it as, like, straight-up euthanasia propaganda. And then there's anti-business, which I kind of get. We can get into that later. And apparently, Curly's wife... This is about... Steinbeck said this about the book, so it's kind of about both. Uh-huh. Steinbeck explained that she is, quote-unquote, not a person. She's a symbol. She has no function except to be a foil and... A danger to Lenny. I don't know. Interesting. I think that says something because that's like the only woman in the entire thing. Sure. And she's not supposed to be real. I I have thoughts on that. Um, I have thoughts on that. But yeah. I will say. Um, <clears throat> so my author, my, my fact is that. So on the flap of my library copy, it says that apparently throughout his life, Steinbeck signed his letters with his personal Pegasus logo. Like Pegasus, but with a pig instead. Symbolizing oh. himself as a lumbering soul, but trying to fly. And then there's Latin on it. It says the Latin motto is ad astra per alia porci, porci, which translates to to the stars on the wings of a pig. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that uh, animal embodiment for him, for him. Yeah. Just what a bold... What a bold statement to put on the end of all. I didn't of your know. I think that's clever. I I didn't realize that, um, the wing, a pig with wings on it would would be a pigasus. A pigasus. That makes sense. <laughs> that's that's cute. Right. That's cute. Oh my god. Did you get the sense that the book itself was promoting euthanasia? I get that. Okay. I think that you. I can see how people strongly like feel that way, um, mm-hmm. and that. In the, I, yes, circums- I can... in the circumstances that George and Lenny were facing, that George felt that was, like, the only way or the best option. Um... Oh, I was talking about the dog. I wasn't talking about... Oh. So are oh, we just even... talking about it in context of dogs and pets? I mean, I was just talking about... But, I mean, I would say even if... Uh, even in the context of, spoiler alert, uh, George killing Lenny. Yeah. I would still say it's not, like... Prom- it's. I don't think the book is saying like he did the right thing, right. and it w- and like you know mm-hmm. even though it was hard he he had to do it. I think it was like. I read it. I did not read it as 
con- uh, saying like even the cho- even though the choice yeah. is hard, euthanasia was the answer. I was like, no, that was a really shitty situation, and that's how we decided to do it. But even like uh-huh. George has to live with that for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and like oh yeah, I guess I didn't see it as a so, straight up. Yeah, I was gonna say so. I can in the end, I can see how people would see it that way, but I don't think so. I think that. Um, that was like a really last terrible like resort that George went mm-hmm. to, um, and it, yeah, it's it is portrayed as like weighing very heavily on him, um, and like really not being what he wanted. Uh, so I mm-hmm. think that in that context it was. But in terms of just the dog, um, it's certainly what everybody around because uh, it's Candy's dog, right? Mm-hmm. It's Candy the okay. Um, yeah, there's so many names in this one. Um, I know it's Candy's dog, and, and everybody is saying it's better for the dog. I feel like with pets there is like just like a lot more responsibility on our parts i feel like that um like they play like place like the dog suffering on candy the owner for making the continual choice to like do you know to keep the dog alive um and i think that is like kind of faulty you know like (laughs) um putting that all that responsibility on candy as the owner or the caretaker of the dog I think that's pretty rough. Not no, it's pretty <laughs> no pun intended. I mean, but also, who else? Who else's decision would it be? Right. And when you think, because it is true, like we I, we are the owners of this dog, mm-hmm. and we know that as time progresses, as it always does, um, mm-hmm. the dog's quality of life is gonna just yeah kind of slowly worse and worse. It's simply not gonna get better. Mm-hmm. And then you make that decision. And it is, like, it's a lot for yeah. anyone, even an owner, to handle. But it's also, like, who else would make that decision? Yeah. Unfortunately, the dog cannot. But I guess mm-hmm. the dog's decision would just be... I mean, if we... if, And I think there's also a difference between choosing to euthanize, prolong, or just let it play out and just be yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I think they're all really hard. I think yeah. there's... I don't know. I think, and, I, don't know. I mean, you make a good point, and also, because um, Candy does, re- he, in the end, um, he allows one of the other guys to actually, like, do the act of uh, killing the dog, and mm-hmm. Candy later states he regrets, like, not doing it himself, he regrets, like, um, I think, yeah. like, not being there and, like, not taking that final responsibility for the dog um, and handing it off to yeah. someone else, which, when I read this in high school as a freshman, I didn't t- mm. really, like, understand that complexity, like, or I had never... Um, had to like deal with that kind of choice with a family pet um Mm -hmm. so i kind i just like that kind of slipped past me i like i I thought about it i remember that sticking out to me but i just kind of didn't get it yeah and i not i still haven't had to go through that quite yet and it'll be very sad um but it makes a bit more sense to me now the like um the sense of responsibility for like being there in that final moment and making that choice and like following it through yeah. I think one layer of it is that he kind of let himself be pressured into this by all the other guys, and then he also mm-hmm. let them, like, take the final action. Well. Starting off with the really heavy topics. Right. This is a heavy book. Listen, I was very sad by saddened by this book in my freshman year, and I, I cried mm-hmm. on this one. I actually read this. I forced myself to read this because this book is, like, 100 pages. It's a novella, um, but I read it, like, over a week and a half like bit by bit because I just knew it was coming and I wasn't ready and I still cried um at the end yeah no this is a sad book and like kind of like what you said it was like almost painful to listen to because Mm -hmm. you just know like I have never read this book I this was the first time I ever read it but I was like it it was structured in such a way that you just know that like, you know that everything's going to go wrong. And that's just like, you just are sitting there waiting for everything to go wrong. It makes me so uncomfortable. Definitely like keeps my attention because I'm in so much discomfort. Yes. Oh my God. That was like, as a freshman, I didn't know that I didn't know anything about life. Um, I was sheltered. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to have a happy ending and then it didn't. Oh my God. And you're like, oh my gosh. Uh, You're like, I can't wait for them to get this farm. Yeah. I was like, like, I could never be happy again, actually. Okay, well, we'll stop hinging at all these things that don't make sense, and I will read you the Goodreads blurb, and then we'll go into the summary, and then we'll get this show on the road. Yep. Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. They are an unlikely pair. George is small and quick and dark of face. Lenny, a man of tremendous size, has the mind of a young child. Yet, they have formed a quote-unquote family, clinging together in the face of loneliness and alienation. 
Laborers in California's dusty vegetable fields, they hustle work when they can, when they can living a hand-to-mouth existence. For George and Lenny have a plan, to own an acre of land and a shack they can call their own. When they land jobs on a ranch in the Salinas... Is that Salinas? I have no clue. I'm going to say Salinas. Sure. Salinas Valley, the fulfillment of their dreams seems to be within their grasp. But even George cannot guard Lenny from the provocations of a flirtatious woman, nor predict the consequences of Lenny's unswerving obedience to the things George taught him. A thriller, a gripping tale, that you will not set down until it is finished. Steinbeck has has touched the quick. The New York Times. The end. Great. Okay, I will say that was a pretty alright summary. Yeah, well, that it was a very comprehensive summary, almost as if I don't need to do mine, um, but I will. Even yeah, though is. this is, I have, this is 100% improvised, so <laughs> bear with me. <laughs> All right. Okay, so in Advice of Men, we open with George and Lenny. So these are two dudes sitting five feet apart, um, but they're just, they're are buddies. They gay? No, they're kidding. buddies. Um, so George, as you mentioned, is small, but Lenny is very tall, um, very physically strong, but doesn't know his own strength. Um, and he has a developmental disability, one could say. He has trouble remembering things, and George is kind of his caretaker. Lenny is mm-hmm. so strong that he tends to like break and um, to break things without n- realizing. And he loves soft things, so he loves animal fur. But that means that he um, tends to play with animals to the point where he accidentally kills them. So. Um, he has actually killed a mouse at the first scene of the book. So they travel around. They are migrant ranch workers in the Great Depression, which is what all English books take place in. And they are trying to scrounge up enough money to buy a farm so that they can live off the fat of the land. Uh, The American dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they arrive at their latest farm. um, And George says to Lenny, um, we just got to make you know, this much amount of money, but if you ever get in trouble, come back to this creek and hide in the bushes and wait for me. And Lenny's like, okay, got it. So they go and they meet all the other guys. Um, There's guys like Slim and Candy, um, the one with the dog. And there's also Curly. So Curly is the son of the owner of the ranch. We actually never see the big boss, I think, or if we do, he's not significant. Like he doesn't even get a name. No, this is just the boss. But Curly is kind of, he's a kind of a bully. He's always looking for a fight. He won some fighting prizes, um, but he really likes to pick on guys that are bigger than him because uh, he's just so mean about it. Um, and he has this wife, and I don't believe the wife ever gets a name. Nope. Never. Um, she's just Curly's wife. Um, and all the guys don't like her. They say she's a tart. But then, yeah, so Lenny and George, they get settled in. They kind of get their work together. Uh, that drama happens with the dog that we mentioned. Candy's dog is very old, and the other guys convince him that they, it's time to um, kill the dog because he's suffering. Um, but then in the course of the conversation, the, it comes up that George and Lenny are trying to buy this parcel of land, and Candy offers to use some of his money if he can also come to the land with them. So there's a lot of hope. They're ready to... Uh, make this move and like put it an offer on the on the land um however lenny kind of gets himself into some trouble so curly's wife um it's implied that she's flirting with the guys all the time and they're always wary of her because they know if they like fraternize with her then they could get in big trouble um so they're always on guard against her um she's always just trying she's frames of this she's trying to like make conversation and she's lonely it's um, very complex, weird social situations. Mm, um, but Letty kind of gets in trouble because he's alone in the barn. He's was playing with some puppies, but he unfortunately killed them without meaning to. And then Curly's wife comes in and starts talking to him. So they make, I don't know, somewhat friendly conversation. But then she offers to have him pet her hair. Um, but unfortunately, when she starts to panic, he grabs onto her. And with his strength, he... Um, and through the struggle, because she's panicking, he actually snaps her neck. So he Jeez. has killed a, he's killed a mice before, and he's killed the dog, and now he's killed Curly's wife. Um, so he knows he's in trouble, and he runs away to go hide in the bushes next to the creek. Um, it slowly comes out to all the other guys. George and Candy find the um, find her body first, and they, they kind of know what it means. What's happened? Yeah. yeah, they know what it means. So. And then when the Curly and the other guys find out, it comes out that, um, so they intend to find Lenny and to kill him. Um, and George tries to reason, like, well, maybe we can just put him in jail and, like, put him in a cell. Um, but 
he whoever's talking to is saying like no like that's not what they're gonna do they really want to kill him and like is being in jail gonna be good for him either um so that kind of settles it for lenny he takes the gun that was used to shoot the dog um and he finds lenny um he tells lenny to look across the creek um and he tells him the story of the farm again but then he actually does kill lenny um at the creek and so then the guys um, all come upon them, and that's kind of the end of the story. So they take Lenny back to the farm, uh, and then it leaves off there. Yeah. Well, okay, there is one part yes. that I don't remember if you mentioned. Uh, there's a character, I think his name is Copper, but he's, maybe it's not. Yes, uh, the black man? Yes. Yeah. And he also gets, I think, doesn't he also get in on the deal with the farm? Because it's the only black man on the farm and there's a s- chapter where um crooks I, crooks yes um there's a chapter where because crooks is black he has his own room mm-hmm. and like he's just isolated from the entire group but he still works there yes um he also i think he I has think... a different job than the rest of them i think he's like sh- mm-hmm. i think he specifically like shoes the horses and stuff okay Anyway. Yeah, and then I think there's a scene where Lenny goes into his room and then brings in, like, Candy and Curly's wife, and they're all just talking, and then mm-hmm. Crooks is like, it was nice to have company, but also, like, you guys are going to get me in trouble, like, you need to leave. And then doesn't he, doesn't Crooks say that he also wants in on this land deal, or no? I can't He does, remember. yeah. So what he, um... He says, like, well, I could come and I could just do odd jobs. Like, will you let me come? Um, but at the end of that scene, because so Curly's wife, um, when he kind of, like, tries to stand up to her, she actually then insinuates that she could um, she could get him lynched if she, like, uh, yeah. as a white oh woman, which is yeah. a terrible, terrible situation. I don't know. That really crushes him. And at the end of the scene, he kind of says, never mind. I think it's strange that... Uh, because, so the guys all think that she's trying to flirt with them and that, like, she could get them in trouble and they don't like that about her and, like, that she's apparently promiscuous. Um, and she's trying to frame it as, like, well, I'm all alone. I'm the only woman on this ranch and, like, nobody will, everybody thinks I'm a terrible person. And she, like, well, then she also does that thing with crooks. So I don't know. Also, they just, he describes her hair every time as having, like, sausage roll curls. And I don't know about you, but that, that sounds is disgusting. not <laughs> pretty to me. I don't John know why. Sundbeck, <laughs> that is not a desirable trait. I don't like that. Listen, I know that you love pigs, but ain't no one wants sausage rolls no. in their hair, okay? <laughs> I was like, why do you say that every time? Um, so, okay, yeah, well, I think... I... Go ahead. Or, yeah, she's really not a character. It's a, just a weird situation. Um, and she doesn't even get a freaking name. Yeah, so, also, by the way, if you didn't know, we're going to unanswer questions. This is prompted by my my unanswered question, which is, Curly's wife, why do I hate her so much? Like, mm. I'm not trying to hate on the women or whatever, but I was like, she's a nasty lady, and I know that she frames it as, like, I'm just trying to make friends, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that to be in a... Uh, probably at this time, again, not a lot of women's rights or and like marriage is a proposal like is not a woman's choice and so if you are in a marriage with someone like curly it sounds like it's very trapping and like um like you don't have a lot of freedom so that i understand Mm -hmm. except for i feel like i can say that she is straight up not she's not playing innocent and quote unquote just trying to make friends yeah she is a tart like this girl is walking around and, like, flaunting her stuff. And, again, I do understand if you're in a loveless marriage, like, that sucks. But mm-hmm. also, if you know that your husband is, like, gonna beat... It's one thing to be like, hey, I just want to, like, make... I do not think she's ever trying to make genuine connections with mm-hmm. these men. I think she sees them as, like, objects to mm-hmm. seduce or whatever. And I'm not saying that's a woman's only role, but in this book, mm-hmm. that is how she's written. At first, I was like, oh, I feel bad. Like, I hate the only female character. But I'm like, that's because it's not even a character. Like, yeah. she's just there to serve. I don't know. A pur- like, yeah, serve a purpose to really be a plot device and to further yeah, and, tension. Yeah, and to and... act with that reason. It's, she's acting to further the plot versus, like, acting for her own yeah. like intentions. So For sure. Uh, like, on the one hand, I mean, he's very transparent about it. And that's kind of, like, 
a little refreshing, mm-hmm. but it's also like frustrating because you know you want to find depth in your characters and like yeah you know at least if not like like not justifying their actions or anything, but like you know finding their motivations, you know finding what drives them, why they came to that point. Um, but if he just flat out says that there isn't anything, then it's like, well, what's like. Yeah, why do I, I spend I any time on this? Exactly. That's what I was about you know? to say. I was like, well, I guess at least if he said it, then I can just not worry about... I don't have to sit here and be like, well, maybe he did this or this. I'm like, no, no. He just straight up was like, yeah. not a real person, not sure. a character. And I mean, if we... Like, like you know, the art exists separate from, like, the artist and the author. Um, if someone finds depth in her and, like, finds something interesting um like that's that's fine that's valid um but yeah like hearing that it's hearing that from the author it's like well what's the freaking point here i will say he did add like some of her backstory like her backstory was that i don't know she just didn't get along with her mom because she wanted to go off and be in pictures and be famous and stuff but then she like sees her life here as like the opposite because it's like you know she's like i'm pretty enough to be in like movies and stuff and instead i'm here Mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't like i don't know it's just very hollow because it's like like what she what do you want? Like, is it attention? Is it just being fryer away? Is it all these things? Um, and again, I feel silly asking these questions once again, because it's just knowing that Steinbeck didn't really intend anything. I am so hung up on mm-hmm. how much of a horrible character she is mm-hmm. that I fail, like it, that it takes me out of the story because yeah. I'm just like, because she's not, because she's only a symbol and yeah. she's not a person. She's just like this walking character that this archetype. I feel like yeah, this archetype that I've seen so many times before that I'm like it's not clever and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. I know. No, I can't really ignore it. I'm just like yeah. I don't like that. Like no one asks is, is asking this question. Is it a feminist text? But I'm like no, not really because like oh for sure not. Know, there is sorry guys. No, if there is no intent behind this like female character other than driving up the tension, then like that's not feminist. You know, just creating you know, characters to drive the plot of the male characters and to, like, create danger and to drive suspense and drive the conversations and whatnot. So my question is... Well, actually, my first one that I wrote down was, did you cry? I didn't cry, but it, it made me sad. Yeah. I was like, That's okay. you know, I definitely felt things. That's valid, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just crying. And then my other one is, do you feel like anyone is at fault here for the situation at the end? In short, the answer is no. Yeah. I think... The way that this book is set up and the way that the audience is like the omnipotent, uh, what is that, third? Third person omniscient. Third person, third person omniscient, like to a certain extent, because yeah. we get to follow all these characters. We don't have to stay with George. We don't have to stay with Lenny. Mm-hmm. And we get to know all these things. I felt like to a certain extent, it was kind of a tragedy of errors, miscommunication kind of mm-hmm. thing. Because you see what happens with Lenny. Then you see the decisions he makes. You see mm-hmm. how other people interpret those decisions. And they make their own decisions. And it slowly snowballs. Yeah. Um. You know, if I have to be super woke, I'm like, it's the people who are at fault is society, man. Because it Capitalism is like, and the Great Depression. It's how people see people with disabilities, which mm-hmm. is like... Well, just without humanity, and it's not like they can't... Well, first of all, okay, it's toxic masculinity paired with uh, mental health, paired with, I guess, capitalism, Mm -hmm. but like... And ableism, yeah. And ableism, and so to to everyone else on the ranch, because Lenny is so big and strong, Mm -hmm. they don't like really take into account the fact that he has I mean okay I'm not going to argue like whether yeah. I'm not I do not know the terminology for it mm-hmm. but I think it is fair to say that he has dis, he has a de- developmental disability mm-hmm. and like that does not excuse anything he's ever done but it it sh- should be considered it is part of his identity mm-hmm. and like I think it's totally washed away because he's seen as this big strong man who yeah. can you know beat up curly or mm-hmm. is capable of destruction mm-hmm. and so then when he yeah, first of all, he kills a woman. That's, like, very sad. I, that definitely took with me. And the fact that it was not out of, like, his own motivations to kill this woman. It was, like, purely this happened, this happened, this happened, and it all happened just right that, like, this mm-hmm. is that she died. They're, they're not ever going to see it that way. Like, mm-hmm. the people on the ranch are never going to see it that way. I think even if... George was able to sit down and explain to everyone, like, this is what happened. This It's happened in the past with animals, mm-hmm. you know. Lenny did not go out with the intent to kill this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the ranch would really be sympathetic no, or yeah. capable of, like, empathizing with that. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, I think it's society's fault. 
Yeah. They're not teaching us not to excuse people with disabilities, but mm-hmm. just to like understand them in a different way. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have to say. Yeah, for sure. What I about th- you? I think that, yeah, um, similar along to your lines, I think we'd have to do a lot more research to really like, yeah, be able to talk like fully about um, Lena's situation and all of mm-hmm. that that goes into it. But yeah, I would agree, you know, that it's not any one character's fault. I will say some characters are like <laughs> more dislikable than others, but mm-hmm. um, like George's role as a caretaker, like... And not to put more, like, spotlight on caretakers than, like, people with disabilities, um, but, like, he didn't have, like, an outline for that. He was doing, he only had, like, his own, like, judgment of what he should do mm-hmm. and what he should not do. Yeah, as you said, like, society is failing Lenny. Like, there's not a space for him. There's not, like, resources for him um, as someone with this developmental disability. You know, obviously there's more discourse today than there was during the Great Depression era. But yeah. at the same time, there are not resources resources for him. Like, people don't know how to help him or how to teach him how to help himself or anything like that, how to advocate for himself in the final situation where he does um, kill Curly's wife. I don't know. It was like an accident, you know? Yeah. No, like I said, it was just really, really sad. It's a, yeah. It's just well, so because, sad. And again, like even when like Curly's wife's last moments, I'm just like, I don't like her. I'm just like, oh. stop doing this. Like, well, she's just great. Oh, again, yeah, you're so on. She is like, Oh, I brush my hair a billion times a day, and then Lenny's like, can I touch it? And she's like, sure, you can touch it. Mm-hmm. Comes from vanity. Then she's like, stop touching it. You're, like, messing it up. You're mussing mm-hmm. it, I think is the word she uses. And that freaks Lenny out. And so, and they mentioned this earlier when he's talking about the puppies and the mice. He gets scared. He'll just grab onto things. Yeah. And he'll just, like, kind of like a... And, like, like won't a, be able to let go, yeah. Like a crocodile's mouth. You just... Mm-hmm. yeah clamp on until it's safe and so he does that with her and of course she freaks out even more which perpetuates his moments of fright and then blah blah like he's holding on to her she's jostling around and then she's yeah he snaps her neck by accident yeah and i'm like oh my gosh that's like so graphically sad it's so sad yeah (laughs) also i just want to mention um there was also foreshadowing because so george and lenny and they allude to this bit by bit and eventually later on this full story comes out Mm -hmm. is that they were run out of the town they were in previously because lenny saw um a woman with a skirt and he wanted to touch the skirt because it was soft um so he grabbed it but when the woman started screaming then he also like he couldn't let go um so that got them into a pretty bad situation because it didn't look good and so they were run out of town and they had to hide in a ditch because he was lenny was accused of sexually assaulting yes correct yeah i just want to point out though that this is a human thing it's not a lenny thing because um so in rock climbing there's this device called a grigri 2 and it's a belay device so there's a grigri 2 and an atc an atc is all manual so when you're belaying someone and holding the rope for someone who's climbing um the atc it relies on your grip strength like you have to hold it in tension the whole time um or if someone falls for the rope to like stay where it is it works pretty well a grigri too is automatic um so if you let go it like will catch them um automatically however when someone is falling you're um they're very human instinct is to grab on and the grigri 2 won't work if you clamp so you have to train yourself to let go if someone falls which is the most terrifying thing ever it is super weird but because like if your friend's falling you want to clamp on and grab the rope but the device actually works if you let go i just want to say it's a very human thing to grasp onto things and even rock climbers are aware of that (laughs) i have another question okay and that is did everyone think that lenny and george were gay and i ask this because oh yeah um Whenever George was talking to people on the new ranch, they're yeah. like, he was like, yeah, George. Yeah, we travel around together. Like, we travel around together. And then people were like, oh, you never see that anymore. Mm-mm-mm. And I wasn't <laughs> sure if they were like, is it because they're queer? Like, I will mm-hmm. say, I don't think the in this book that Lenny and George are queer. Right. I don't no. see it that way. But I was like, is that why everyone has a problem with it? And is it because... Yeah, so I guess it was like, I wasn't sure if the judgment from other people was because of queerness, mm-hmm. was because of disability, or if it was because of both. So, I I don't really have an answer. Like, I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell because also, I mean, well, George tries to kind of hide Lenny's disability at first. He tells instructions yeah. to like only like let me do the talking. Um, mm-hmm. I think, well, at first he's afraid that it would jeopardize their position. Um, he, I, it's all coming back to me. It's because he mm. wants them to see how Lenny works first because he's so strong that he's good at like yeah. work. Um, that he's like, we need to, them to see you work first before they know this because otherwise they might not let us stay. But anyway, back to your question. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like they were being like homophobic. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't read that. But at the same time, okay. it doesn't make sense. They're like, oh yeah, nobody sticks, or, like nobody travels 
in groups these days. I'm wondering, yeah. is it because like it's harder to get work as a pair? Is it is that just not how it's done? I just couldn't get a read on that. I could see it going either way. Like I said, especially for the time period, I could see it being them questioning like, mm-hmm. oh, two men traveling together. That's kind of suspicious. But I could also see it as them saying like pitying George and saying, oh, you don't see that much. Like, sorry that you got to like take care of this person. I don't, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, my last question. Have you ever genuinely played solitaire, like with a deck of cards? I think I've done it once. I've definitely, I play the app all the time, but I've, I think I've set up the cards like once and I actually played. Okay, cool. And I think I gave up halfway through because sometimes you get rounds of solitaire where there's like, you yeah. just, you can't, like there are no moves and it was just a shitty deal. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, fuck this. I just spent all this time setting up yeah. these cards and I can't, yeah, so. Yeah, I asked because every chance george gets he's playing solitaire <laughs> and i'm like oh my god because yeah i've played it too and it's boring as hell <laughs> but also yeah. just hard with real cards to like move the whole stack and like keep them all in order it's not for me <laughs> i could say it if i lived in the depression era like, yeah okay <laughs> and there I was just, like nothing to do this is just my opinion on solitaire is that it's very much like a flowchart game like at any time there's really one best option <laughs> Yeah. And like, there's a little bit of chance involved, but to me, that's just not interesting. I love solitaire. I love when you win and the screen, like the, like the cards bounce around and like do a little dance for you. <laughs> yeah. Or like they are like, we formed the cards in, as a king and now he's doing the boogie. And yeah. Like, like <laughs> I live for that moment. But when you're doing it, like in real life, it doesn't do that. They're like, woo, 52 pickup, except I have to do it. <laughs> except- <laughs> <laughs> also, the game 52 pickup, I think is conspiracy- what a freaking hoax. Like, babysitters, they're just like, 52 card pickup. I'm going to make a mess. Now you have to clean it up. Oh, my God. Like, I've never weird. played that. I've only seen it in Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I like was like, they're like, 52 pickup. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's not fun. And then my last final question, mm-hmm. which might even lead us into intended takeaways and judgments. If it is the title, what do we think it means in relation to the book? But before we go into that, I will give you a little bit of research that mm-hmm. I got. Great. Um, Answering your own questions. Is, I love it. Exactly. It is based off of To a Mouse, a poem by Robert Burns. Oh. And here are the stanzas that they give us. <clears throat> the best laid schemes, oh mice and men, gang at agly. <laughs> And <laughs> not but grief and pain for promised joy. There are a lot of vowels missing in that what? intentionally. <laughs> Here, I'll send you. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know what you're saying. We'll put it in the episode notes, but also I'll send it to you right now okay. over Zoom. Um, this is not. It's not English. This is not. <laughs> so you, you try and read it. Okay, sure. The best laid schemes of mice and men gang aft agly. And lay us not but grief and pain for promised joy. Yeah, see? Mm, no. No. So, first of all, <laughs> apparently that is what the title is based on. What? Um, secondly, it has no relation to Of Monsters and Men. And I know this because I oh did. Oh, my God. I, I did like a five-minute <gasps> Google search. I, I did oh, five, five minutes. minutes. Um, and I was like, are you sure? Like, Of Monsters and Men? Of Mice and Men? And they're like, no. Of Monsters and Men did an interview. And they were like... No, it's just me and my mates just strumming, <laughs> and we thought it was a pretty name. And apparently, it's supposed like of monsters and men is more like related to fairy tales. And they're like, sure. when we write songs, we try and tell stories, and that's kind of what of monsters and men is like. Mm-hmm. However, um, the second half of my research was devoted to going on Spark Notes and oh <laughs> looking at what of mice and men was supposed to be about. So that will lead us into intended takeaways and judgments, where I will have you actually answer my question. Ready? Go. Boom. All right, Laura, what do you think the title means? Uh, okay, originally before reading this little, this lovely little poem you sent me, uh, I was going to say comparing mice to men just because Jor- Lenny likes um, small creatures like mice so much and relating that to like humans and how um, circumstances can like accidentally kill them without anybody having true ill intent just relating to the yeah small creatures or human creatures or whatever like uh we're kind of at the mercy of circumstances and society and like capitalism and etc all these big ideas after reading the poem i don't know the best laid schemes maybe saying that like mice and men may make schemes kind of like how george and lenny had that plan to buy the farm and live off the fat of honestly their dreams sounded great like growing carrots or whatever they said like all that kind of relating it to how like 
if you plan stuff, you're always disappointed, especially when in their era where it's really hard for any person to like, I mean, it's, this is true of like, even now for um any person to like lift themselves up by the bootstraps. Like that's a narrative Shit. that George and Lenny are buying into that they can just like, if they work hard oh, enough to earn money, they can like make their lives better. But that's certainly not true. Then or yeah. now. Damn, John's. John yeah. Steinbeck attacking American capitalism couldn't be him. Oh but my it god! Is him. I want to go into my takeaway quick. Um, is yeah. that there's a lot of nature writing. He describes the creek and the creatures and stuff in like a very nice pastoral way, and bucolic and whatever. Okay, in Understanding Comics by like Scott McCloud, he talks about this technique. In it's seen a lot in anime and comics where there's different panels of different like details, like a bird flying or a creek running or like water boiling, and when you see them all as a whole you understand that time is not passing. Like, these are all happening at the same time. But it gives you a complete view of the scene, even if you're focusing on just small parts. Um, and it sets the mood. I think John Steinbeck is doing that in a similar way where he describes, like, the cranes and the snakes and the trees and the breeze and stuff. And I just want to <laughs> throw out there that I think it's better nature writing than in The Trumpet of the Swan. Yeah, well, I just want to say, look at you, very scholarly. You're like, um, actually, in understanding comics, blah, 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 the passage of time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank I you. I just looked up that book so then I can also it's get, good. get um, good in understanding comics. I also want to add that I think, so the first scene is describing the creek with the snake. And the second time he describes the mm-hmm. creek and the snake is when Lenny's hiding in the bushes. Mm-hmm. I think in that scene, he describes that a crane, like, swoops down and eats, like, the, the snake. snake and flies away. And I was like, ah, oh, foreshadowing. Mm. Yeah. You're like, someone's about to swoop down and yeah, you. These it's people. called life. <laughs> it's called life. <laughs> it's called that gun in your friend's hand as he shoots you oh in the back God, of the head. Oh my God, no. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> okay, so I, and I'll answer kind of my own, of monsters and men, uh, no, gosh, nope, not the band, of mice and men. Yeah. Um, Based on Spark Notes, it was talking about mice as innocent and like powerless versus man um, and comparing the two. Uh, it talks a lot about innocence versus evil. Sure. Um, and then, like you said, according to the rules of American economy, the weak and the vulnerable cannot survive. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it, this does, I think this entire book does a pretty good job of just snuffing the hope of it, literally any yeah. of these characters that we want to root for because they're the underdogs and they kind of represent yeah. like most of America mm-hmm. and the book's like no actually they had dreams and they're gone now and everything's kind of ruined um yeah. but I will say it does it in a clever enough way even though I don't wrote, root for the woman at all I mm-hmm. I'm not like oh Lenny if only you hadn't done this I'm never like blaming Lenny what I really took away uh, from it which kind of ties back into the what I was just talking about is like the tragedy of errors the miscommunication and how we get the we the readers get this full picture and then like this happens, this happens, this happens, and you just see, you get to watch it all crumble mm-hmm. and see where everything went wrong. Yeah. And I think that's, like, really hard yeah. to watch. But also I, very engaging. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to, like, for me to dislike his wife. Again, no, knowing that, like, there was no intention behind, like, making her a real person. I'm just like, well, that sucks. Like, she's just kind of doing what the plot wants her to do. Um, yeah. I don't know. I hate that situation, but it's like, could you really hit a character that isn't there? I also want to say one of my takeaways is that more than the others, I think you can really point out the examples of foils, foreshadowing, parallelisms, that those like mm. layer devices that you do learn as a freshman in high school. This is rife with those types of examples. Is it the best book to choose to like teach those examples? I don't know. But it, as as I said, as you said, it is very it is very engaging. I have two more takeaways. <laughs> There's two, but really the same. Um, intended takeaways is that this is very much a product of the times. Um, it takes place in the Great Depression. I feel like. Half of the books you read in English class take place in the Great Depression. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion of the American dream, the um, myth of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. There's, you know, this all of the levels of like the ableism, the classism, the sexism and the racism, all of the isms. Because we talked a bit about this with Chadwick um, and James Baldwin's No Name in the Streets is that English classes have a little bit of like responsibility to teach history, too, because they don't make sense unless you understand the history. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this is a just another text that would require a lot more historical context like for them to understand. Also, because it takes place in a very specific area, which is California, and with these migrant workers, which is where uh, John Steinbeck is from. And then, of course, we already talked about, yeah, the 
element of euthanasia and stuff. We're not going to get into that again. Oh, yeah, we did. We done been talked about it. Yeah. Now, if you need to, listeners, go back and listen to it now that you have all this context, because we kind of just threw out all these, like, mini scenes that we knew about, but no one did. But, yeah. Yeah. So, Laura, what would you rate this out of 10? Um, I would rate this... I kind of want to say seven because it, like we mentioned, it is really well constructed. It really holds you in suspense. Um, pacing's good, but you know it's outdated. The the one female character is literally just like an archetype, and it's very it's very tragic. It's not you know a very good um, anti ableism story, unfortunately. Wow, Laura, are we the same person? Because no, I also wait, no. Wrote, <laughs> I rated it seven, and I said it's just me out, and the story itself isn't my favorite, but it's sad and it made me feel something. Sure, which is basically. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's well constructed, and I mean, I'm not gonna repeat. You just you took the words. Thank you. Wow, right out of my mouth. God, why do we even have two of us on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, it was just you having a conversation with yourself the entire time. Oh. There's only one host nope. actually of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine being like, yeah, I've been a podcast, the biggest... and my name is Laura, and I had to think of another host, so I named so... her Laura. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can just totally imagine like. Uh, Hulu, like, uh, mini TV miniseries where it's like how one podcaster fooled an entire 17 <laughs> listeners, like, Except into thinking that they were two people. And no one gave a shit. <laughs> and no one cared. <laughs> I can see it. To our 17 listeners who also, again, wouldn't care if... I was talking to myself or Laura was talking to themselves. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend based on this book? Um, I'm struggling. There's not a lot of books like this one. Um, mm-hmm. But what came to mind is just like, you know, two dudes taking care of each other going on through. So I would recommend Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. I don't know which one because I can't keep track of them. There's the adventures. There's the stories. Of, blah, I don't know. Um, try any, any of them, one of them. All of them. Go for it. I would recommend... A book called America is in the Heart by Carlos Bolusan, which is a memoir about a Filipino-American. Specifically why I'm recommending this, it does talk about uh, kind of innocence in the U.S. and how you can't really survive, Mm. especially with like Asian culture and Asian men. Uh, Carlos walks, well, travels to the U.S. and then works on a bunch of farms all across the u.s but specifically he does work in california a lot like according to the wikipedia page but also i mean i would agree it says um uh reflects on the experiences of filipino immigrants in america who are searching for the quote-unquote promises of a better life so it does talk about that american dream i appreciate that you're trying to expand our horizons culturally uh i've read this book for a class four <laughs> years ago Woo! other than that you know i always just recommend the same like four books yeah in rotation i'm like well they're pretty much applicable in all situations sometimes l- listen you brought you brought the fire with the understanding comics by scott mcleod so i think we're okay good. great <laughs> I'm a we're spending everyone's horizons on all fronts okay great basically we're, we're amazing, amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, what are you currently reading? I am reading Inside Story by Dara Marks for my class. We are both reading Animorphs, The Invasion by K.A. Applegate. Ooh. I'm listening to The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang, uh, which is part of a series, and I so far I do like it. Um, and then I'm reading a bunch of plays right now, but like intermittently and not very, just like sporadically. So mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of Noises Off by Michael Frayne. Ooh. Blood on the Books or The Powell's Play by Nick Zagoni, and then Small Mouth Sounds by Bess Wool. And that that is, at the moment, that's it. What about you, Laura? I'm reading uh, The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, She Who Became the Sun, Shelley Parker-Chan, um, The Bone Ships by R.J. Barker, Pinned by Matt Johnson, and The Invasion yeah. as well. Well, you always said this, by K.A. Applegate. Since last time, um, I finished Modern Love, Two Stories of Love, Loss, and Redemption by mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, well, was edited by him, and... All This I Will Give to You by Dolores Redondo. Uh, Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. The Daughter of Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Lintan. And The House of Hades by Rick Riordan. Um, of those, mm. I would recommend Daughter of the Moon Goddess. Um, I wasn't able to shut up about it for several days. Six Crimson Cranes I would also recommend. Um, but know that if you read that one, you're getting into a series and you'll have to wait several 
millennia, right? Yeah, I was so bad. Okay, readers, because I didn't know it was part of a duology, so I got to the end, and no spoilers, but she's talking about, like, this, this, and this, and I was like, there's no way she can get to these things in the next 20 pages. Then <laughs> then I was like, oh, shit, there's another book. And you know what? I was right. She didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what? I'm not afraid of a series, so I'm, I am just just have to wait. Um, I just freaking played myself, but, you know, that's okay. So brave. I can wait. Um, I've been very happily, um, yeah, crossing off a lot of lists on my, like, Asian American authors list. Right. So, yeah, basically, I'm living my life, my dreams. Um, I will say content warning for all this I will give to you. There is, um, unfortunately, child abuse in that one. So, be careful. Can Can you imagine if you said, fortunately, there's child unfortunately, abuse in that one? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> can you imagine? I'd be well, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, what have you read since last time? Since last time, I have listened to A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I don't know why. Wow. I was just like, it's Christmas <laughs> time, y'all. It's time. And then I read Horse Girls by Jenny Rachel Viner, or Weiner, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is a one-act play that I would totally recommend if you like dark comedy. Mm. Um, my friend recommended it to me, and it's... It's balls to the walls crazy, but like in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. So I really like that one. And then The Revolutionists, a comedy, a quartet, a revolutionary dream fugue, a true story by Lauren Gunderson, which is also a play. Oh, I also, I would just want to add, so all this I would give to you is specifically content warning for a sexual abuse of a minor. Uh, I guess I'll put a warning on horse girls, content warning on extreme violence. Sure. But in a fun way. Okay. <laughs> So if you want to connect with us, you can contact us via our email or our Twitter. Yeah. Laura, do you want to hit him with all that info? Hell yeah, I do. Our email Great. is readingnotreading at gmail.com, spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at rednotreadpod. So at sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Nice. Woo! In our episode notes, you will find a link to both our bookshop and our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, our bookshop, Laura, you want to explain? Because I don't think I ever do it very good. Sure. Bookshop.org is a website where you can order books online and support independent bookstores at the same time. If you use our affiliate link to do so, then we also get a 10% commissions on any purchases. Uh, so you can help support our pod and support indie bookstores and get all the books of your dreams and basically live your life. Boom. To the fullest. And then you can use our website to also access the bookshop or listen to any of our back catalog or access our email or our Twitter. It's kind of the portal to all of your future dreams coming mm-hmm. true. And I think that brings us to the end where Woo. we will next month, what will we be reading and also a special surprise. Yeah, Laura. next month we're going to be reading The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins and we'll be featuring a special guest by the name of Maya. So I hope everyone has a good rest of their March. Yeah. Or whenever you're listening to this and a good... Yeah, hopefully Daylight Savings Time is adjusted for you finally. It was really rough for me. I don't spring forward. (laughs) I think I'm still in it, which is fine. (laughs) But I hope everyone has an excellent time. Yes. Enjoy the daylight. Please. Enjoy everything. Yeah. Live your dreams. And your nightmares. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.